nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... My name is Paul Carmichael and this week I've been throwing soup at pictures because I'm a twat. Ah, okay then. Campbell's Kingdom. Oh. Um, do we know the brand of the soup in question? Heinz. If it had been Campbell's, for, you know, there would have been something there, wouldn't there? Warhol. There you are. Heinz. They went with Heinz. I remember Heinz Wolf on the telly. However, without wishing to go on about something nice, mm. um, let's let's just bowl straight in and bowl in to what mm. uh, this week I rate Paul thinks. Well, strong arm, maybe. There's a bit of strong arm. There's several things, in fact. Right, okay. Art is for everyone, right? Now, mm. the lovely thing at the moment is, of course, the National Gallery, you don't pay to go in. Sometimes you do for certain exhibits, obviously, but the one where they're doing all the Van Gogh stuff, you don't pay to go in. That's there for literally everybody. So I do get a little bit, a little bit cross when these people who presumably work in social media or something, something fairly frigging useless, who I all think they're look... generally very, uh, they've mm. had a very nice upbringing, haven't they? Well, they seem to have done, yeah. They're yeah. normally called Hugo or something mm. like that. Jocasta. So that, yeah, so you get Hugo and Jocasta going along to the National Gallery and throwing soup at a painting. What's the, what the fuck? What, why? All right. Okay, seen as you're a man with his finger on the pulse. Right. Uh, and I'm a man who prefers to spend his time in 1973. What? Right. What's the justification? Right, well, first of all, it's this movement who are called Just Stop Oil. Is it nothing I to do with the ear because the world isn't listening to Just Stop Oils? Is that why they did Van Gogh? Oh, no, no, there's no critical analysis required oh. here, dear. Right, oh, no. Then. No, you've, I'll stop you've interrupting. Out, you've outthought them already. No, right. this is this is just stop oil. Whose demand is just stop oil? Because it's as simple as that. Yeah, just, just stop it. Really, I mean, it's not as though you know everything would fall apart. Let's just stop oil now. <clears throat> Nothing steady. Just stop it. And so we've had this. Well, obviously they're blocking roads in London, and and that would annoy me, obviously. But. Um, yeah, people throwing tins of Heinz tomato soup at a Van Gogh painting. So like, what is the justification? The justification is that now we're all talking about them. And in That's my it. case, in my case, as I said on, on a certain social media platform uh, earlier in this week, I am talking about you because whereas before I had some sympathy, now you can frankly get fucked. So mm. because art's there for everybody, you are affecting everybody. If you want to make a statement like that, do something that will actually affect these corporations. Why don't they go to 10 Downing Street and chuck soup in the coppers' faces on the doors? Which, well, again, is, is you know, it's not the coppers' fault. You know why? Because they get a damn good kicking. And you're not going to get that at the National Gallery. That's why. It looked to me like it was facilitated. It looked almost planned. Do you know what I mean? There were photographers there. It looked staged. It didn't look well, like some organic... Uh, movement. Hello, I'm now a photographer. It's just that, isn't it? I, I go thought in there the... were guys there with cameras and stuff. Well, no, 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 no. There were people no. with their phones, and that was it. Who were there um, taking photos of them uh, doing this this act? Apparently. Now then, at the same time, someone went to New Scotland Yard, and this I did it. I, I quite oh, the enjoyed. Orange paint. Uh, yeah, no, that was soup again. 
Oh, was it soup? It so, was all soup. All right. Again. Well, what was that all about? So, okay, there's a it's little exactly more directed. The same thing. Yeah, so what have the police got to do with the oil? I mean, is it because... And what gets me is the stud there with bloody phones. First of all, let's look at the idea of the phone, right? The batteries in them, both Google, I believe... No, sorry, Microsoft and Apple are both um, in trouble due to the treatment of Congolese child slaves who mine the lithium... No, the cobalt to produce the batteries, right? So the film in them on these bloody things which are, mm -hmm. let's be honest a sort of modern <coughs> iteration of sugar or whatever were the products of the slave trade in the old days. So they're proud to own mm. one of those. Right, okay, yes. so there's that. Then they stood there virtually always because, you know, because of all the intersectional arguments about the environment, they're all stood there probably uh, in plastic shoes and mm. all kinds of other plastics, mm. oil. Um, yes. Targeting the wrong thing. Totally. Um, and what they don't realise is if you just stop oil overnight, rather like their protests, it's the poorest in society who will suffer the most. Because they always are. Instantly. And that's my issue here, is that you're targeting the wrong people, I suppose. Because if you've got something like Van Gogh's work, Van Gogh's work is beautiful. I've never seen it on display in this country. I've seen it when I've been abroad, and it's beautiful. So to actually have it in this country for free, so that mm. anybody, regardless of societal background or whatever, everybody can go and see that. Well, let's just ruin it for the day. I don't, I don't understand that. Yes, I think <laughs> that shooting, shooting flumes of, of soup over the new Scotland Yard sign, that's quite funny. That's quite all funny, right. but I mean, you know, Pointless. Jack Regan had thumped them in the in the nose. Oh, um, yes. Absolutely. I don't know, I'm very immediately suspicious of any mm. movement that suddenly springs up out of the ground like that, seems mm. to have unlimited resource and money, um, and whose aims seem to align with those of the government and their net zero policy. One has to uh, ask the question, who's funding you for a start, mm. don't you? Straight away, so that's the that. first thing. And I can't find out, and I have done a little bit of digging. I don't know who funds these people, and you'd think that they would want to be open about it. But on the same day, mm. did you also see the milk thing that happened? Oh, thump them. Again. So just once like... again, I mean, we've currently got a situation where the price of milk is doing that. It's skyrocketing. People can't afford milk at the moment. Yeah. So let's just go. Notice that they go to Waitrose because they know where Waitrose is. They didn't go to Aldi. They wouldn't know where Aldi was. Oh, they, they wouldn't go... do it in Aldi on Smith Down Road. Not. No, they go to they go to Waitrose and pour it over the dairy produce. It's like, oh, stop it! Because who's got to clear that up? Put some poor sod on minimum wage has to yeah, clear that up. Jacasta, you prick! Of course, absolutely ridiculous behaviour. I don't, I don't understand it. It's like I am genuinely quite environmentally friendly. You know, I, I don't drive, for example. I can't drive. Obviously, it's not a deliberate choice. I just never thought... I always had that idea, you know, I, I, I drink, others drive, and that seemed fair. It's and this sort of Prince Philip component of your personality. That's the sort of thing. Yeah, I don't mm. see why I should. But therefore, I use public transport. So I don't drive. I'm, I sort the recycling out. I have more recycling than anything else, and I reckon they just burn it anyway. But nevertheless, ah. I, do, I do all that sort of thing. But occasionally I might need to go and get milk or I might want to look at a Van Gogh painting and Toby has decided that, no, can't do that with his social media degree from the Polytechnic of fucking nowhere. He's decided that I don't have that right. Annoys me, this sort of thing. I think the whole point is to push um, people uh, to the point where someone is going to get hurt. Which will happen. 
It's well, it's virtually always hap it's virtually almost happening now. There's a guy um, who said that he was taking his wife to hospital, mm. you know, because he needed to get her to the hospital. And if mm. you ring an ambulance, it's like twelve hours. So he's in his car and he's just virtually running them over. Mm. I mean, it is going to come to that, yes, and that is. is the objective, I think, in order to give them this uh, perceived status as heroes um but it's 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 one of those things that um is a peculiar a peculiar product do you remember the do you remember sorry sorry to interrupt you do you no, remember no, we, we've talked previously about how in the 90s when things were better you and no. i were we went on marches and stuff yes. like that i think didn't we actually go on the same march in london the old potentially if you were there on uh, the 1995 criminal justice bill which i was yeah. so uh interviewed by mtv pissed no idea what happened on that one um but we both did that but there, there wasn't. We weren't the disrupting people's lives deliberately. We weren't throwing soup at Van Gogh. We weren't doing that sort of thing. But it had an effect because, of, as I recall, that didn't get passed. Aspects of it did. Aspects, um, but not the whole thing, which would have been absolutely draconian. <clears throat> it ha You can have an effect without having to be an asshole. They call these movements astroturfed, as a, as opposed to grassroots, don't they? Because, really? Because they are created with a lot of money. Um, and the the activists tend to be sort of retired librarians and young people who are in a position where they can just spend the day glued uh, to the wall of the National Gallery. Yeah. Um, Give it 10 years when you've got a mortgage and kids and let's see you do that then. Let's see you throw soup at something then. You'll be too busy wiping up shit and trying to get your kids to school. Those kinds of people won't be. Won't they? No. God, No. That's not their future. What, sitting in bistros being amusing? Well, yeah, you know their lives. It's all mapped out before them. I mean, that's that's assuming they are from the social strata that they always appear to be from. No, I hope I'm it not entirely early certain. death. Sorry. Well, well there you go. That's one uh, policy. Um, but um, I think we can safely file this under the category of not nice things. We can. Absolutely not. And, and thankfully, we live in the North where yes. such nonsense uh, would not be tolerated. We well, absolutely be honest. Absolutely not. If somebody wished to do that on the Aldi and Smith Down Road, I imagine they will be given short thrift on that one. And if they fancied sitting across Renshaw Street on a Monday morning, um, I think they would. Uh, I think get they run would over. Find out. Yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure this uh, nonsense will spread. <clears throat> it shall metastasize. Really? But um, the Must bottom line is. Um, that they're not very nice. We don't mm. like them. They're targeting the complete wrong end of society because they always do. Yes. Um, and it's it's ultimately poor people who are going to suffer. I mean, who do they think is is mining the materials to create these batteries to power their wonderful devices, as previously mentioned, mm -hmm. um, and all the other stuff? Because you know, I I recall I recall the the, the left when things I were better. Grew up. Well, I recall the left that I grew up with would have been up in arms about things like the Congolese child slaves mm -hmm. or the conditions in the Foxconn factory in China where they make the things, the places with the suicide nets all around yes. to stop people dying because the world uh, the, the the work life is so so terrible but no the left don't give a shit at all which surprises me so much i mean obviously i expect the right not to care mm. because my perception of the conservative party is that they derive their funding from uh, businessmen and magnates 
who who benefit from mm. you know effective slave labor overseas so you'd expect them to keep stum about that because otherwise it might upset their benefactors but the modern left uh, the labor party i mean let's be honest the labor conference in liverpool the other week one of the fringe meetings and one of them that was um, heavily not only criticized but quickly closed down was an anti-war meeting now that's that's a fringe movement yeah. within the labor party is it okay okay i see where all this is heading it's just the uniparty they're both just the same branches of uh the same interests it is and strange one party one mindset that sort of an approach it is a, it is a strange one um but it, it's also strange now it's very strange being politically quite homeless isn't it mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm coming to terms with the fact that I do seem to be politically homeless. I'm sort of like, I'm just sort of fanning, fanning, bless you dear. I'm just Thank sort you. of fannying about in the middle, thinking, well, how about if we, you know, how about if we don't throw soup at things, but also if we're not just twats? Can we do that? No, no, we can't do that. Can't do that. Not, not at all. Not no, allowed. no, no, because everything now has, language is political, for example. Mm. So you can stray into the realm of being a, a right-wing fascist bigot, for example, if you are overly concerned with something that's local now to then, you. Now then, who's done that this week, eh? Someone's done that this week. Oh, Mr. Finger on the Pulse, go on, fill me in, mate. John Cleese has done that this week. John Cleese has done that this week, yes. John Cleese has done this, because John Cleese has signed up for a slot on GB News. Now, mm. it, not a... It, I, I will have a pop at GB News because I find them funny. I just find the production values quite endearing because it's like it's like if we'd have tried to do live TV but not spent a penny on it. So, but I kind of admire that. But it's also because I find that these talk channels, I just find them inherently boring. Mm, it's just so, I can, just so you can sit there and go, oh, they're saying what I think. Well, why don't you just think it? You don't have to have approval from the television. You're okay. Yeah. So Cleese has signed up for that. Um, my issue with that is the fact that all of a sudden now on social media, people are saying, oh, he's turned into an old gammon. Cleese is saying the same things he's been saying for years. Do you remember, I think it would have been about 89, when Chapman died and they did a documentary on Python and it had sections of the um, of his uh, funeral service or the memorial service. Yeah. And that's where Cleese said this thing about, in comedy, you will always offend somebody. So, uh, the example he gave was Tom and Jerry. He said you can have this slapstick stuff going on in Tom and Jerry, but you'll always have one person who says, oh dear, I hope the cat's all right. Mm. It's impossible to avoid offence. He's been saying this for a very long time. And it's true. I mean, I don't know if... I've, I've never seen comedy which doesn't attack in some way. If I listen to the news quiz on Radio 4, which at the moment is giving the government a jolly good kicking, and I would say fairly well-deserved, but on the other hand, that's from my point of view. To somebody else, that is probably going to be horrendously offensive. So now Cleese is um, this massive old gammon. But on the other hand, he does have a point, which is there is no way that he age, colour, whatever, would get to go on the BBC. It's unfortunate he said that on the BBC. But he mm. wouldn't get an actual slot on the BBC to, to make the points that he wants to anymore. Um, so that's, that's got on me wick as well, to be honest with you, dear. Stephen Fry did this thing. He did um, at the Hay Festival quite some time ago. It was a long time ago. It was him and Christopher Hitchens, where he talks about offence 
um, how he said that people say, well, I'm offended by that, as though there's some validity mm. in that. And as he said, well, you're, you're offended by that. Well, so fucking what? Well, you don't have the right not to be offended. Hang on. I don't Sorry. Have, yeah, you I, don't have the right. You don't have that right to go through life and never be offended. But Nobody does. Oh. No, no, no. It's it's that's is what that Fry's, a good? Yeah, that's right, what yes. Fry said. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you don't yeah. have the right not to be offended. Sorry, that's no, just absolutely. The way it, is. it will happen because you can't be treated with kid gloves. You can't be. So well, that's right. But I, I mean, mean that's sh- that's the trouble with the culture now, isn't it? That's mm. the trouble with the worldview of a lot of people. They think they're going to go through life and nothing's ever going to bother them. Which, sadly, not. You know, I'm with Buddha on this. Life is suffering. Mm. Yes, it's a, it's a tricky one. This one, isn't it? Because I don't, I don't, I've I've seen some attempts at sort of like non-offensive humour. Ooh, yeah. No, it's not funny, and I no, think that humour should probably be a little bit funny in some some small way. But I, yeah, that that's kind of got on my wick. I mean, I understand that Cleese, if he feels he's got a point to put across, Cleese is a brilliant man. He's got a hell of a history. He's intelligent and. Why shouldn't he go on? But this is what happens in cultural revolutions. In cultural revolutions, you slay the sacred cows. Mm. That's what always happens, you know. In the same way that he made the point, I think, I've been a bit busy, so I've not caught up entirely, but I think he or someone else made the point that it's no different. These people are no different than Malcolm Muggeridge on that famous... Uh, show where he was Saturday deriding night, Sunday morning. Yeah, deriding mm. Life of Brian, having yeah. never never seen it. Well, mm. nobody's seen whatever Cleese is doing now. I mean, I'm not sure what it is. There was a 1968, 1969 special. What is it? The colour thing that's made for the how US. to irritate people. Right. So mm. I mean, it, this isn't a, a new string to his bow. No, you know no, he's, he's been always doing this, been out there. This is pre Python that he mm-hmm. he's been doing this sort of thing and. And, and I think it's probably going to be well thought out. It's going to be, but I, you're right. I mean, there, there will always be things. Time moves on and there are things. I mean, so long as you're not going out of your way to offend, fairly pointless. Um, but then again, I like Derek and Clive. Well, there's that. Hmm. There's that. I mean, you've always got to have someone who pokes the hornet's nest. Yes. Haven't you? Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's the, you're effectively living through a cultural revolution. And so, in the same way that Jesus was untouchable, seemingly, um, in the 50s and 60s, come the 70s, there's the life of Brian. Mm. And so, they were at the vanguard of that cultural revolution. And now, Cleese, I mean, the thing is with Cleese, I mean, he's been uh, pro-remaining in the EU, hasn't he? Mm. So, he's been all right. But as soon as you drift off message with anything... Mm. that's it and also I presume there's some form attempt at rehabilitating GB News's image to try and broaden their appeal with this so it's not just it's it doesn't just suit him it'll suit them oh yeah absolutely I mean they're, they're not well at the end of the day if you employ Cleese then you know you're going to get viewers even if it's just yeah. for that one first show you know you're going to get a lovely spike like when Farage did his first show and suddenly they got 750,000 viewers right. so yeah obviously that that is there as well that they will want that I'll watch so it works exactly I'll watch um so thinking about it, his point, I believe, is that someone said it's just the UK version of Fox News. Mm. And his point is that it's not inherently a political 
platform mm-hmm. it's it's pro free speech mm-hmm. so it's allowing people to say the unsayable which is what attracted him you can tell me if i'm wrong because i've only skimmed only well, skimmed i don't know this. i mean i i think it is it's no i mean not, that's it that's it's not left leaning it's certainly not left oh no no leaning. i mean i'm saying that's you know I'm not oh yeah, talking, yeah 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 I, yeah that's the point i think he made no that, that is exactly free speech yeah uh, but free speech is now a right-wing issue isn't it? Because well, it is. approved speech aligns with people who chuck soup up paintings. It does, but also then you've got the idea, you've got GB News, which is pro-free speech, unless you're Gitto Hari, who got sacked for taking the knee. So that's not really pro-free But what you've speech. got, well, putting GB News to one side, his his focus, according to him, is free speech. Mm. Um, so you've had in the past week or two the PayPal thing, haven't you? When they cancelled a lot of right-wing... Uh, figures the paypal accounts they right. stop them doing whatever you do with paypal i just buy shit off ebay with it i so buy nice no records with uh, it. yeah so so there's all that but apparently they they're a they're a, they're a de facto bank aren't they i don't know i don't yeah, know yeah, anyway like yeah. anyway so what they did was they did all that and then they started so which was you know the the sort of soup chuckers and road sitters they were kind of like hooray good for paypal then mm. they started to cancel the accounts of left leaning groups mm. and all of a sudden hang on a minute this yeah. ain't right what they did then was they reinstated all these people but brought mm. in a policy whereby if you say anything which is let me try and remember how they worded it at all mis disinformation or misinformation can't remember which um if you do that, they'll fine you two and a half thousand dollars, right? So that went out uh, because when they started cancelling these accounts, the exodus from PayPal has been massive. People have been leaving it because they don't agree with them silencing people and uh, limiting their access to funds. Mm. So then they thought, right, okay, we'll reinstate everyone and we'll say, if you say anything which is misinformation or disinformation, we'll fine you two and a half thousand dollars. Ah. Who decides what is misinformation or disinformation? Well, we do, of course. Uh, So then you're kind of straying into this, um, what was uh, Mussolini's definition of fascism? I I don't know. It's something about corporate and government interests aligning. It could Mm. something like that. Anyway, so PayPal then saw $6 billion wiped off the value overnight. So they said, oh, we inserted this thing in our terms and, and conditions by mistake. Yeah, that happens. So that's what they've started to do. But but this free speech issue strays into the realm of, you know, choppy waters when it's, well, who decides what is what is correct speech? Well, this is the problem, isn't it, for Cleese now? Because Cleese has um, proved his own point simply by saying, I'll go on GB News and being attacked for saying that, for saying that he's going to go on television. That's... Uh, that's yeah. I I have no love for its politics, but then again, if I had a, one that was extremely left leaning <laughs> and was just you know wall to wall slow TV of people throwing soup over monuments, I'd be equally pissed off with that. Mm. Well, I just want nationwide back. No, we've Michael moved Barrett. on from that. Don't want to. We've moved on from that. Mm. Yeah, you are now in the in the culture war, whether you like it or not. Um, I don't like it. No, well, you know, as Gandalf said, these are the times we are born into. Um, but I don't like someone, Lord of the Rings either. Someone like Cleese is potentially, you know, a classical liberal, really, who believes in the sanctity of free speech. Mm. However, that is 
is is all tied up now. It's it's political. Free speech is political. You can have free speech, but not without the consequences of free speech, which tend to be corporate um, at the moment. But we're straying into that social credit system, aren't we? That China has. The Chinese Communist Party have got that system whereby if you go on the internet and say anything that we deem to be misinformation or disinformation, we will limit your access to social mobility. Mm. Which is effectively, you know, very useful if you're in power and you don't want a narrative which is contrary to that which you are broadcasting through your approved mouthpieces. Absolutely. It's exactly, it's what they did to Edward Woodward in 1990 as well. There you go. Mm. There you go. And who go. who would have thought we'd have been here? Who would have thought that? <laughs> Dear God. Everything oh, that... is political. <sighs> I know. But this is the issue, isn't it? Politics used to be about four minutes on the news. When the news was just 15 minutes, when it was proper, mm. you know, and it was just on at quarter to six or something, the, the politics was just five minutes. Politics, oil slicks, funny thing about a duck on a skateboard, good night. But now, now everything, you're right, everything has to be political. Mm-hmm. You have to have that viewpoint. And I don't want to. I know what my own politics are, I think, which are basically, oh, just everybody stop it. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. I'll bet you if I launched a party with that manifesto, I'd get votes, though. Oh, there's, there's, a, there's a yawning chasm for a third-party alternative. Uh, yes. Not just here, but globally. Um The problem is that when, you know, what is it? Politics hates a vacuum. Mm. And uh, in the past, we've seen some quite interesting characters fill such vacuums. Yes. So it's not a case of just that that politics are ignoring what Mm. people want. If they don't give people what they want, someone will come along who will. That's generally the rule. Um, and the, that might be somebody who makes Mr. Farage look like a, a kiddies entertainer or, or Mr. Trump or any of these people. Mm. So um, these are interesting times. I'm They're probably about to get a lot more interesting. I suspect so. I suspect in about 10 years, you and I will be in the dock in Nuremberg and this is going to be played. Yeah, this re- is it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Exhibit reason. A. Yeah. Exhibit A. <laughs> But it's kind of if you you know if you look at where this has been where this has happened before because there's nothing new under the sun, no. you know if you look at things like Milan Kundera as the joke if you look at uh, Haslev um, Havel I think I've said his name right um, the power of the powerless mm. you know um, y- you look at all these things it's all happened before just and read I- 1984 rather than putting out memes of it read the book. Maybe well, that the would left help. and the right have claimed that, haven't they? I mean, oh god, it's... yeah, absolutely. But that's, that's... And none of them have read it. That's the key thing. They've looked at the memes, which are usually misattributed, but none of them have actually read the bloody thing. Try no. reading it. No, and Brave New World is more sort of more representative of of what they would like society to look like. Those in power. God, I was getting attacked by a triffid there. Sorry. Yes, to... you were. Not just me plant. Yes. Uh, yes. No. No. Absolutely. It is. It is. So. As you say, strange times. Very strange times. Um, yeah. We are, you know, we are, we are old now. We are old compared to uh, your average soup chucker. So Ooh, what yeah. do we know? We've got houses. We, and this is what happens when you completely disenfranchise the young mm-hmm. and, and, you know, make it 
virtually impossible for them to become stakeholders in a society. Why Why would they want the status quo to continue? Well, now, this is the thing. I was just thinking about this the other day. Now, I've got my house in the village here. Uh, if, if, however, I was to try and buy my house now on my wage, I could mm-hmm. not afford it. No, and me. that... And that bloody worries me when it comes to my own kids. There's no way that they will be able to afford them. Well, we're about to see a lot of people like us who potentially won't be able to afford their mortgages. Mm. You know? Yes. So you will own nothing and you will be happy. I won't. No, I know you won't. Nor would I. I like things. Yes, I love things. I like things that turn up in the post. I don't want to have nothing. Yes. Yes, you do. You will be taking my Howard's Way box set from my cold, dead hands, Jocasta. I'm well, telling you now. Well, that's it. Let's let's start considering what is nice as opposed let's... to what is nasty. All right, let's go with three nice things today. Today is the 64th anniversary of Blue Peter, and it's the 50th anniversary of both Rainbow and Emmerdale Farm. There we go. Wow. They're quite nice. But... Blue Peter's shit. It's not shit. It is. It's not. You say that because you watched Magpie because of yeah, the Catholicism. Yeah, because Blue Peter was sort of, you know, I mean, the clue is in the title, Blue. It's it's for Protestant children, sure. You only watched Magpie because Susan Stranks didn't wear a bra. Hmm. Yes. Not yeah, Mick Robertson, though. That's very true. And he had um, ladies' hair. No, that's he true. He did have ladies' hair. He did. No, no, no. Blue Peter's still... I like that. I like. I I enjoyed coming home from school and having Leslie Judd vaguely telling me off. I quite like that. And as well, I've, you would, as I've suggested before, I quite like Janet Ellen. Yes, well, you'd like all those things because they were sort of. It was like school for you. It was. I hated school. I love Blue Peter. Well, there you go. You see, yeah. I didn't like Blue Peter, apart from you... when they made the bunk beds out of lolly sticks for Action Man. See, that's cool. They did. Yeah, that, that was good. That was good. And so, the matchstick stable for Christmas. There you go. And the that was um, right. anything involved discarded wood. And the advent crown. Janet. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that was lovely. Oh no, uh, forgot we were recording wood. then. <laughs> 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 Completely forgot what we were doing then. Uh, I've got a feather up my ass. Hang on. Oh well, you will do. It's Hang a on. Sunday, and you are a Protestant. There we go. Um, yes. So. Um, Janet Ellis completely distracted me, uh, as, as did my own arse there. Uh, um, so, yeah, um, so so this week um, I've been watching a few of the old Emmerdale farms. Oh, it's still lovely, that. Yeah, That's, no tappings in them early ones, does it? Much? Nothing happens at all. That first 25 minutes, you could sort of like sum it up in about 10 lines and you'd be overwriting it then. Oh, it's beautiful stuff. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. You don't get exploding lesbians falling from the sky in 1972. Oh, God, no. Phil Redmond's fault, that. So, yeah. So, But there we go. So we've got a couple of nice things there. But um, but, and, and you're still enjoying The Brothers? I'm enjoying The Brothers a great deal. I've just... Mm. Um... I've just started on series two, and I'm, I'm not mm. sure about the new Edward, I'm afraid. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> This is a point, isn't it? We we would never normally do this, but we have a certain number of corrections to issue to oh, last week. Do we? Uh, might be a few. Work. Might be a couple. So, uh, should you go first, or yes, I? I'll go first. Then I I apologise. I need to be accompanied <laughs> by my wife and reading a statement here, don't I? Um, I apologise for referring to Gene Anderson as Gene Alexander on more than a number of occasions last week. Mm. Um, I blame the uh, on seasonal weather yes. um, and uh, and. Uh, overabundance of red meat in the diet absolutely um, 
I listened so. back and I was like that. No, why didn't he correct me? And then I, I asked you why it. you didn't correct you. And you were like, oh, well, I didn't. Bollocks, you don't have that capacity. You just wanted me publicly humiliated. I loved the fact that you were listening in the car and you got really cross oh, <laughs> listening to yourself. It was just like, no, go away. Can't listen now. But Gene Alexander, a lovely thing. A lovely old a very Hilda lovely Robden. thing, but, but a very, you know, different very kettle different. of fish to Gene Anderson. Very different. So there was that, and also uh, we trotted out uh, what I have always... We? Me? me might, have, might have repeated yes, something. I think so. Which is that idea that, of course, that when it came to 1976, something went wrong and the series wasn't recommissioned by mistake. And then... Reading the old Brothers Companion book, one of the first things it says is you've got Jennifer uh, Jennifer Wilson saying, oh no, we knew it was ending. I was going off to the National Theatre. We knew it was done. It had run its course and we didn't want to do any more. So suddenly you've got this story about memos not arriving and they forgot to recommission, which, as you said, was a bit suspicious. Mm. To, turns out this could have been possibly just a little story made up by someone naming no names, Colin Baker. But, um, but then... Then, of course, as I said to you during the week, um, there's the idea that well, we're never going to get to the truth because we were talking about why Glenn, Ed, uh, Glenn Owen was replaced mm. and we'll never get to the truth. And as it says in the book, uh, various production files for the series are missing. Yeah. And then I thought, really? Everything? The BBC keep absolutely everything. If you've ever written to the BBC, they've kept that letter. What's the chance Ooh, that yeah. out of seven production files, they've lost four of them? Again, that could be bollocks. There is there is digging to be done here, I feel. So there we is... don't know. We don't, we don't know why Glyn Owen went. <laughs> we, we know what's been said, which is that Glyn Owen was a bit superior on set, and because he was the oldest brother in the series, he acted like the senior member. Mm. And then it was felt that maybe let's get him replaced. We know that that's been said right we don't know if that is the case though i mean if you if you hired glenn you knew what you were getting i feel think about glenn owen is towards the end of series one without wishing to give too much away mm. you know there's there's a there's that lovely vulnerable side that comes out in him which mm. coming from that you know that exterior is is a wonderful juxtaposition and quite believable mm. um however glenn being the performer that he was, you also have that sort of undercurrent of, is he thinking he'll get at that other 25% of the company here? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So at the same time, we're seeing vulnerability. Yeah. Um, they play down the relationship with his mother a little there, mm. um, which is heightened at the beginning of the series too. But, yes. but there are those kind of twin motivations battling within mm. that performance. Starting series two, which begins with, um, you know that meeting whereby um, she's reached 18 so she's got a thousand quid etc et yeah, yeah. and then he walks straight into the office on the way back leans over and gives Miss Kingsley a, a peck yes and it's just like mm. mm, alright so I'm not sure about Patrick O'Connell okay you know. he I'm does, not sure he grows on you but like we were saying yesterday the strange thing is that of course Glyn Owen you look at him compared to the other two and the other two are, are tall and thin yeah. and then you've got Glyn who is not tall and not no. thin either um, and so it seems odd casting so Patrick O'Connell looks like he could be their brother at yeah. least um, which I'd not considered until yesterday despite it being nearly 
what, 30 years this November since I first the saw it. eludes us. Yes, it always does. But um, he will grow on you as a performer. And that vulnerability does start to show its head an awful lot more as, as the cracks in the characters. You know, they unpeel these characters beautifully. Mm. Uh, Richard Easton being Brian Hammond, who's just... Yeah, Brian is, is the most sort of magnetic, certainly in the early series too. Absolutely, but then when when you start to unpeel the character, which happens a couple of series later, you suddenly realise that Easton is a fantastic actor. Oh, he's brilliant. What gets me with his character, with Brian, is that piece of toast. Mm. Now his wife's left him. He's always wandering around the house with a piece of toast. And it's like, is that the same piece of toast from the props? You know, Quite he, possibly. he often drops the toast on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about three episodes in, he takes a bite of the toast. Yes. Um, so this piece of toast, I suppose, is, is like single man, 1972. What can he do? He can make a piece of toast. And that is lot, yeah. And, and that's his lot. But what I love as well is that was a real sort of neuron tweak mm-hmm. is every time he goes out the house, you see that kind of almost Bakettian skyscape and a bit a branch of of a dead tree yes don't you and that yeah. seemed to be you see that in the dave allen show you see that in all 70s productions that's what outside looks like mm. and then of course when he gets in his hillman hunter to go anywhere it's bloody glorious and his garden's blooming oh yes but it, it's that weird bbc studio representation of the outside world with the dead tree Mm, it is um, that. It's all, it's also I I quite like it because you can see that the studio at BBC Birmingham wasn't that big because the backdrop isn't quite far enough away no, to no, be out of focus. The front door, the it's tree, right there, the so they've got to nudge past it. But yeah. I, I love that that idea that outside is sort of like bleak and dangerous to mm. him, whereas inside. And I don't think they thought of this for a moment, but. To me, no. then suddenly you've got this lovely Brechtian thing of out outside is stark. And bleak. And... There's some lovely moments with the Brian thing, and that's not performance, that's writing. Um, mm. So he lets the business slide, doesn't he? Which is what gives um, Mark McManus as Carter the opportunity to, to just boomf, get in under the radar. Mm. And he lets it slide by not uh, confirming with the agents their interest in this land that they need. Mm. So there's a conversation with the brothers in the boardroom. I found mm. out yesterday these shows are called boardroom and bedroom dramas, which is very good. Oh, I like um, that. I like that. I like that. Um, <clears throat> so they're having the argument, and, um, and I can't think what they say. It's like he's letting things get on top of him, is what they say. Mm. Then the next thing, Brian's at home, and he's leaving the house. It's just so nailed on to how depression works. And he's he's got the Hillman Hunter out the garage, and he's getting in the car, and then he thinks for a moment, and he goes back inside. Now, obviously, every movement that one sees an actor do needs to be rooted in a motivation. I don't cross the room unless I need my phone or to switch the light off, or whatever it may be. Uta Hagen, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He goes back in the house, and before he leaves the house, he opens the curtains. Um. And that's so nailed on with depression and how depression works, and it's so... In that one movement, you get across more exposition than you would in five pages of dialogue about how he's feeling better. Mm. He just opens the curtains to the house. He's reclaiming the house. And then the next thing, obviously, he's sort of chatting up the uh, saucy-looking schoolteacher and Mm. taking her out for dinner. 
And, and then the next thing, there's Hillary in jumpers. Oh, hoo, 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 hoo. oh so yes. It's just like, bloody hell, man. Yes. So as soon as he's gaining some degree of uh, independence, not just independence, uh, stability, mm. you know, in true life fashion. Oh, Hillary's back. Yes. Of course she is. He's moving on. Yes, Ooh, well, absolutely. I can't have that. No, absolutely not. Um, oh. So uh, Brian's story is the most interesting for me at the minute. Mm. Um, Derek. It, it keeps is, is, getting intre- more yeah. interesting. But you're about to say Derek Benfield, and my mm. God, his st- have you met? Have you met his wife yet? No. Right. You will meet Gwen quite soon. Gwen is played by Margaret Ashcroft, who is the wife of Morris Perry, who is a very nice thing from Survivors and, and, yeah. and everything. Um, yeah, she she's wonderful. And she comes in and she is exactly who Bill Riley should be married to. It's right. like you just look and you go, they've been married forever. They just have the casting, the writing, but the performance of these two, it's like you've known each other forever. Um, and totally believable once again the casting the writing everything about it is perfect perfect well there's some lovely sort of and they're not touches because they're just documents of the time but you know the car windows when he leans over to give the uh, uh, school teacher the lift mm. you know he leans over and winds down the bloody window well you'd have had to yes. but to see those big triple x logos mm. on car windows mm. you know with triple x being a big factory in st Helens, was it well, I, I remember them on the windows from my dad's yeah, car. I don't remember. Pilkington's Glass, where Michael Palin was told to go and work. Yes. And who who do we know that was on the board of the Pilkingtons, a member of the family? No, go on. Kenneth Horn. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, he was. He was, I remember now. Yeah. And uh, John Stride was related to the Pilkington family as well. Um, oh, I like that. Anyway, um... So you've got those triple X logos, but it's it's beyond that, isn't it? Because you've got AA badges on cars. Mm. And the school teacher saying her car's conked out. Cars used to conk out. Cars weren't reliable. One needed the AA. Mm. You know, you needed all this structure involved. So it's a very different world because nothing is reliable. Mm. And certainly, Brian, who was the rock among it all, you know, Teddy, Teddy's meant to be the sort of, you know, the in, indefatigable guy, yes. but he's not. He's no. not. He is the classic um, young prince who's been locked up in the tower by the wicked witch mm. uh, until he's too old to be of any use to anyone. So he's now escaping the tower and getting away from the wicked witch, who's his mother, who isn't wicked as such. She's more like a... She gives it more of a, a queen. She's like Queen Elizabeth, isn't she, with her sons? She's got that sort of... Um, that vibe about her. Um mm. But it's all very, very interesting. It's mm. it's nice how the strands are now getting really stretched, and they're bringing in. The, the now they've got the ability to bring in these outside threats. Mm. You know, here come the complications. Yes. Um, but yeah, this it's 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 really nice stuff. But for me, the new the new Teddy, the new Edward, I, I and you can see he's doing a Glen Owen in a few scenes. Oh yeah. Absolutely, he's, he's absolutely doing a glit. Keeps slipping into that Bolton accent a little bit, and yes, he and is doing all but... sorts of stuff. But there's a lovely scene where there's a couple of scenes. We mentioned the booze in last week, so where Carter Mark McManus gets the Irish truck driver pissed mm. and finds out who uh, Robert Hammond, the mm. dad, the 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 
deceased guy yeah. was having an affair with and the kid and all this other stuff. Then he goes to to their offices, claims that he met him lots, who mm. talked about her all the time. and So we, we find out he's a lying bastard. Mm. Um, and then there's that scene, which it's mirrored virtually, isn't it, by Robert getting um, Derek Benfield pissed yes. when he sat in the office. And this sort of, you know, there's a line in it where um, my door is always open after six at night. It was in my father's day and that's not going to change. So this lovely sort of dark, cold office in a factory after everyone's gone home where people are sat around chatting and getting pissed. That's a that's a lovely sort of we're allowed into a world that we'd love to have been a part of because that was a privilege. It was mm. a privileged position. Why on earth this big, powerful man needs Billy mm. is sort of gradually unfolding, isn't it? Oh, and it will, mm. and it does, and oh yes, and then this is the you've. I need you to catch up now. I'm I'm going to mm. pause for a bit. I think because there are things which we have to talk about. There are there are things coming up in start of season four, and what you could do is you could take Brian and Anne scenes, and you could just edit those together with nothing else there, and you've got you've got John Osborne. That's mm. what you've got. You've got this beautiful storyline which goes quite dark and the performances there's there's one particular point and you watch it and I'm thinking to myself did that person actually get hurt recording this because right. if not then that is beyond good acting that is just stunning and of course it's quite possible they did because we're doing the whole thing as live so it's not impossible but oh it, it's it's beautifully developed stuff beautifully written and again, as always, it's the benefits of rehearsal. That's what yeah. you've got there. You have got a well-rehearsed show, which is how you could record it three days before transmission and not be that worried, actually, because you knew your actors would get it in the can. You now, knew they would. The the viewers at the time, and us now, mm. what do we know of the politics of the actors in the show? Nothing whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing. Exactly. Exactly. That's Nothing. precisely how it should be. It is. It's like, at the moment, I'm reading um, the book, uh, a book about Douglas Camfield. Wonderful director, just probably one of the best people who's ever worked in television. And one of the first things that it covers is his politics. He was from an army family. He wanted to go into the army. He was fascinated by the army. And he was right wing. Not extreme right wing. He was just right. He was right of centre. Hmm. You'd never know that. And why would you need to? Because he was just bloody good. It could be that that you have with, you know, that Robin Chadwick was an extreme right-wing fascist and O'Connell was a was a namby-pamby liberal. You'd, I don't know. And nor do I want to. No, I don't care. Doesn't matter. They, they got the scripts, they learned them, and they delivered <laughs> them. Who cares what their politics are? These exactly. days, of course, we'll judge everybody on their politics, please. Yeah, and the platform has to be inherently political as well before you've even got anywhere. Robin Chadwick, why did he have a comb over when he didn't need one? I think that was just the fashion of the time. There's that lovely little documentary where he talks about how they used to look after him. 
as he was sort of like young. And of course, he'd only just recently moved over from New Zealand as well. Um, so you've got Robin Chadwick, who was having lots of girlfriends all over the place and the rest of the cast mothering him and looking after him. Um, I suspect that was just the fashion of the time, which again is interesting, I think. You know, you've got, you've got uh, Robin Chadwick coming over from New Zealand and you've got Richard Easton coming over from Canada mm, to do this really quint- quintessentially British TV show. But um, is again, that to give it more appeal, is that like Robert Wagner in Colditz? I mean, no, because they both do RP. They both so and amazingly well. I've I've studied Eastern to try and spot if he slips into a Canadian. But wow, no, not I'm presuming a, he's from BC then. In, I would in Canada. I would think so. I'm not entirely sure, but then again, I I assumed until about five days ago, I assumed Robin Chadwick was British born and bred. I had no idea that he was from New Zealand. There's not yeah. a hint. Not a hint there. No. It's there in the interviews, of course, but not a hint when he's there being shouting at Gabrielle Drake. And you know, don't do that. She's lovely. Yes, and has brown hair in the second series. She does. She yes. does, yes. Spends a lot of the fourth series in some sort of leotard. Something to look forwards to. She does a lot of stretching. <clears throat> yeah, Moving on. Like that. Yeah. It's not all been nice this week, apart from the orange soup chuckers, has it? Why? What else? Mr. Coltrane. Leaving Mr. the party. Coltrane. Wow. Leaving the party rather too early. Yeah. I believe it's... he's not been well for a while. I remember I remember there was mm. um I think he was in a wheelchair. Yeah, when something. he did the interview that all the Harry Potter fans are trotting out where he says in 50 years I won't be here but mm. Hagrid will. Apparently he was in a wheelchair then. I had no yeah. idea. <coughs> yeah, there but, was something on earlier this year. Mm, but that it? I think that that says so much. I mean, to me he is a one-eyed pirate in the young ones which I recall being the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Robbie Coltrane shouting as a Cyclops yeah. pirate. So you've got to to me, he's that. To some people, he is Cracker. To my kids and their generation, he is Hagrid and Harry Potter, which I've yeah. never particularly enjoyed. Though somebody who just constantly reinvented himself from the alternative comedy circuit to mainstream, brilliant, BAFTA-winning drama through to the most popular film franchise for young people that's ever been. That's variety. And all sorts in between. I mean, the clip I posted the other day was what I always loved. I think it's one of the most uh, honestly profound statements I've ever heard. From the Supergrass, is, is that Yeah, one? where he yeah. walks across that mm-hmm. wall in the bloody... I, I presume it's down in Cornwall. Cause it's it looks Pete, like it's, it's, it's Peter, Not Peter Richardson. It's Tony Richardson. Mm. Um, I think I've got that right. He's comic strip, isn't he? Fucking so. on the Alzheimer's Express. Anyway, sure, Peter probably. Richards. Peter Richardson. Peter Richards. Yeah, Tony Peter, Richardson's the long distance long, runner. Long Peter Richardson. Long distance is, rubber. Peter, it, Richardson. Peter Richardson. Yes. Peter Richardson. Thanks. So when he walks across that and he says, you know, the safety boat wouldn't go out. It's too dangerous. So it's mm. terrifying. He says, but there were a lot of girls there that day. And when there are <laughs> girls around, boys have to do dangerous things. And it's just like it's so honest. Mm. And if you watch that clip where he walks across that bloody big concrete wall in the middle of the sea where the waves are lashing over him, look at his shoes. Mm. He's just got a pair of bloody hush puppies on. It's yeah. just like he's not even got any safety shoes on or anything. No, nothing. And with it being cut to two tribes by mm. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Lenny Henry makes the, the point in that clip. He says, you know, it's the most um, iconic moment of 80s cinema. 
Mm. Or one of them, he says. And I think that's I think that's spot on. Because what you, when you watch it, you think, Christ, he had to walk back as well. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, with he no did. glory. Presumably um, with the tide further in than yeah. it was. I, yeah. And the guitar case that he carries, which mm. is, you know, what it's meant to have in it, was weighed down with bricks. So that when those waves lashed, they wouldn't it, it take didn't it. throw them everywhere. Oh, Supergrass is wonderful, it's isn't it? It's so a, good. So it's, good. It, you know, I, I obviously I encountered it. I, I was never bothered. And then somebody said, Ronald Allen's in it. Is he? Yeah. Let's have a look at that. And there he is in his full Dracula outfit. Such oh, a film. it's a magnificent film. I think I may give that a spin. But Robbie Coltrane, lovely thing. And whenever he appears... Whether it's in drag in Five Go Mad in Dorset, whether it's as Doctor <laughs> Johnson, yeah. whether it's Cracker, it doesn't matter. He's just stunning. There's a great screen too from the mid '80s. I think it's about '87, mm. uh, called Alive and Kicking, where he's uh, a drug counsellor. Yes, and Lenny Henry's one of his clients, and both mm. of them are brilliant in that. Mm. And it's it's such a a great uh, you know people with real you know insight into what performers could be mm. was able to see you know chuck lenny henry and robbie culture because that's that's kind of like a foreshadow of crack of the character in that mm. and um, tutti you, fruity of course tutti fruity absolutely magnificent but what what i love with cracker is originally the idea was that that character should be cast with an actor who was quite small and rather thin right and they went with coltrane but he plays it with all the vulnerability of someone who is quite small and rather thin. When he, when you get those lovely moments when he's sort of a little bit broken down, the vulnerability that comes oh, out in that characterization, oh, it's stunning. And, you know, this is somebody who would have just been thought of right up until that point as a comedian. Certainly when Crackers started, what, 93? And I remember it starting and thinking, why is he doing a drama? He's I don't a know. I think this, he established his chops before that. He'd done he did, quite but, a bit of acting. <clears throat> but with real heavyweight. The real heavyweight side of it. And that Him and Robert Carlyle together. And of course, there's that lovely thing with Carlyle, isn't there, when he was shooting Cracker. when um, Chris Eccleston. He's... No, Robert, uh, Robert Carlyle. Isn't that Robert Carlyle? Chris Eccleston's the... The psychopath. No, no, no. Carlyle's oh, the psychopath. Oh, you mean That one. That's it. I thought now you then... meant the regulars. Sorry. No, no, no. When Carlyle was guesting yes. in it. And he did this wonderful thing, which is he would be he would do the accent on set all the time. And he said, I don't not do the accent all the time, whether I'm on my own or not, the accent's always there. Yeah. And so to catch him out, Robert Carlyle at three o'clock in the morning phoned um, uh, Robbie Coltrane phoned up Robert Carlyle in the Adelphi where he was staying three o'clock in the morning. And Carlyle picked it up from his sleep and answered in a broad Scouse accent. Wow. That's acting. Yeah. That's acting. Oh. There's so many. I mean, that's that's kind of where Ricky Tomo uh, mm. got a chance as well, didn't he? To to show. Yeah. I mean, Brookside's one thing, mm. um, but between that and the royal family, which you love, he played it really straight. But the early '90s, Granada made some great stuff, and they mm. took some real chances, such as Medics, with Tom Baker and Sue Johnston. Wonderful. They also made the Royal Family for the BBC, though, so they didn't get everything right, did they? Well, Granada made it yes, for they the did. BBC. Yeah, which I, therefore, they didn't get everything right. In what way? Which way? Well, in the way that it's shit. Awful. You don't like the Royal Family, do you? 
No, when uh, that what all that you know when when they're just eating chocolate biscuits, that's funny because they all eat biscuits. But it's funny because it, it's not. Only but because you eat biscuits and I eat biscuits as well, that's as bad as people watching GB News because they think like I think and they say the things in my head. It is the same thing, but it's wrong. It works it's, on two levels, doesn't it? Because it's like no. so where I'm from, it's it's like watching what, a documentary. To, oh right, and you used to laugh at people eating mint yo-yos. No, it's just like, oh wow, look, they have a tin in the kitchen with all the biscuits in as well, and so and what? They all sit around. Well, it works on that level. Then the other, the what flip level? Side, what level's that? Of it That's being not... representative and documentary to a whole strata of society. And then you get that bit where where the what's his name, whatever the tall Ralph Little comes in and so, oh, someone's walked in dog muck. At that point. I have never been more angry watching anything on television ever. Absolutely but not. But that happens. So don't put it on telly. If walking into my carpet, I've got to clean it up and I want to see it on telly. You mentioned John Osborne, right? Right. Which there's no dog muck in John Osborne. There's no dog muck in John Osborne. Dog muck. Um, however, if you think no. about what they were trying to do, Tony Richardson, Alan Silito, Carol Rice, John Osborne, all these are you people. suggesting? Are you suggesting there is a link here between between the the movement of the angry young men and Ralph Little walking dog muck into a I carpet? I would say that the line, the golden thread, runs right through that. It's a brown thread, and it's disgusting. It's a brown Absolutely thread, not. and it runs directly from Albert Finney in 1960. Nine hundred and sixty bloody nine. It's all there, mate. It's from that to someone's walk dog muck into the carpet. Yeah. It's kitchen sink. It's abs. It's no, no. I love how cross you get about the royal family. It really angers me. Other... Oh, Nana's dead. Good. <laughs> now, Good, Liz I'm Smith glad. was incredible. Liz Smith was absolutely brilliant. I I love Liz Smith in everything that she did. You know, in Bottom when she's the fortune teller, I think that that is a tour de force of comedy acting. But then they, oh, Nana died while she was having the baby. Oh, get fucked. Absolutely not. But what about it's as the bit bad as... where Nana farts? No! <laughs> That's not funny. It That's is not... funny. I it's remember once funny. my mum coughed and farted and women in our world did not fart. Right? It's hilarious. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, it's Jacques Derrida all over that, isn't it? Exactly, our uh, Le Petamain. Oh, that's different. That was Leonard Rossiter and it was nice. It was nice people the breaking lights go wind. out over Europe. <laughs> um, and it was Galton and Simpson. Um, different. Different. If Which Hancock reminds had started... me of Clockmail. Have you ever watched that? No, I haven't, no. No, I must watch that. Um, yeah. Right, so the other side of the coin with the royal family is that Southerners watch it to take the piss out of Northerners. Right, so it's not a good thing for that either, is well, it? Well, like I say, it's 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 got many different levels. What, it angers me on all of them? Exactly, it's superb. I must bring it up more often. That's a level that you enjoy, isn't it? The fact that there's it absolutely makes me apoplectic with There's a with rotund hate. actor I should bring up one day on this show. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, no, it's no, no. It's just enough that you know who I mean. I, no, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. I, I will lose the Zoom connection. Return and go and shout in the garden for half an hour. Returning to I've... another rotund actor, Robbie. Robbie Coltrane. Yes. Nice. 
Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Oh. Blackadder's Christmas Carol. Yes. Ah, Nurse McCready's surgical bruise lotion. <laughs> Nothing but yes. the very best in this, who's he? <laughs> I always love that line. Oh, wonderful. Ah, oh, man, he was so good. What a bloody loss. Did you ever watch, and you should if you've not, National Treasure? No, and I should. Mm. I should watch that, shouldn't I? No, yeah. I've never. I haven't watched that. Because oh, I've, him and Julie Walters, him isn't and it? Julie Walters. It's absolutely oh. stunning stuff. Mm. It really is brilliant. You'll enjoy that. Mm. I'm not going to tell you anymore. You'll enjoy okay. it. You'll enjoy well, it. It's enough. on um, More Four or whatever it is. It was on there a few months back. No, I'll have a look for that. So I'm no, sure it's still I'm... there. It's I love wonderful. a bit of Julie Walters. I ah, think, I think. fantastic. Genuinely wonderful. Educating Rita oh. is stunning. Those, the, the, her work with Victoria Ward is brilliant. You ever oh. seen Pat and Margaret? Yes. Oh. Yes, I have. And that is stunning. But everything that she does. And the fact that um, now with you know, Liz Truss, when she tried to do that bow. This is overall. She, Mr. It's, it's you know, yeah. with the soup stripping down. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, 40 years on and people know what that's a reference to straight away. Oh, God, oh. yeah. I mean, the Wooden Walters stuff, which I think's out now, isn't it? The Granada series. I think they released It is, yeah. That. Network have done a release of that, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, t- there's too many greats. There's too many greats going. Don't want them to. I don't there, think there he's are. done much since National Treasure, but I could be wrong. He's on a stick in that. Mm, but that adds but not- to his vulnerability. It does. No, I think it's... You're right. Um, all of a sudden, these people... Oh, God, you're right. It's a sign that maybe we're getting a little old as well, isn't it? That these people who... What would he have been in the young ones? 30-odd? What is About it? That. He was 72 when he died. So, 1982, talking... he would have been 32, yeah. So, I mean, prior to that, I think I'm right in saying was a kick up the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah. Which I don't remember. I mean, it, I, I obviously know in hindsight, but I don't recall it mm. being out. He did an awful lot of uh, regional stuff on Scottish television, which is worth seeing. Yeah, um, yeah, a massive back catalogue before he then goes and, you know, storms the yeah. world of the- of cinema with, with the Harry Potter franchise. Well, the Robbie Coltrane special, which Paul Putner uh, posted mm. on Twitter the other day, I'd completely mm. forgotten about. It's mm. fantastic. It's just oh, it's there's so much good stuff in that. The St. Trinian's rip-off, the uh, story of the rock star, especially Lucy on the sofa with Desmond. Yeah. <laughs> great. Absolutely yes. great. No, uh, a nice thing's hat tip to the memory of that astonishing performer. You will not see. And, and he was um, Dr. Johnson, wasn't he, on the stage? Didn't he do that? Because he plays him in Blackadder the Third. Yes, he did. But he, yes, he, he did. He did that because I mean, so he's doing this very serious theatrical production, and then at the same time, it's like, oh, I'll go and lampoon it on national uh, television. Shout sausage at the top of my voice yeah. at Hugh Laurie. Wonderful. So I mean, I also think in that same breath of someone also mm. who's gone, which is John Sessions, which is yeah. it's crazy that he's dead. That is. That's crazy, ridiculous. That he's crazy, gone. crazy. Yeah, uh, that that these things make make no sense, and I suppose it is. It's that thing of getting older, is it? Because as far as I'm concerned, I, I sometimes think, oh, have they stopped making whose line is it anyway? Well, they Which did they in about 1990, didn't they? Well, didn't it go to America? It went to America, and then uh, there, were, there were various issues um, with, uh, I believe, one of the one of the stars uh, demanded that the, each episode should have two days rehearsal. 
Oh, right. Oh, right. Really? Yeah, yeah. that's hardly so, in the spirit of it, is it? No, I'm not naming names. We'll do that off the call, but... Uh, oh. Yes. But, um, no, it's not in the spirit of it at all. It sort of went over there. It's a shame because before it went over there, they used to just uh, show the Channel 4... Uh, they showed the Channel 4 programmes and then they all trotted over there to America. So Slattery and Josie Lawrence and so on and so on went over and performed in uh, Seattle doing it live. And from that, that's when it got picked up right. uh, uh, to be to go out on, I think, Comedy Central. But, uh, yes, apparently... One of the one of the leading players uh, from across the pond was quite insistent that this needed rehearsal, um, which is why certain other people decided they would not be involved. Mm. Ooh, more intrigue, yeah. more intrigue. But, uh, well, we started we started right up to date, mm. and we've uh, been all over the uh, map time wise, I suppose. <laughs> And the dog muck has been all over the, the floor. The dog muck has been trodden straight through from look back in anger at the dog muck to the royal family. <laughs> I've trodden dog muck through someone's house. And they weren't happy. Why? Because no, they not, not be. got a choice. It wasn't a conscious thing. There's some dog shit. I'll go and tread it all through their house. But don't you check your feet before you go into somebody else's house? I, it was dark. You can still tell if you've got dog feces all over your foot. Well, not in the dark, you can't. When it's been on the path and you've like literally walked up the path in the dark, stood. But in that's a... their own fault. Is that their dog doing that? Well, probably not. They don't have a dog. So it's a stray dog. Stray dog. Who's responsible? Uh, Under these circumstances, who is responsible? Fair play. I'll go with that. Oh, you've gone. Oh, oh, you're back. Oh no, I'm here. I'll go with that. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll blame Liz Truss. Yeah, exactly. Um, you ever st- I, I, once I stood on a frog in the dark when going in someone's house. <laughs> Have you ever done that? No. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> it just sort of. It just. I, I, sort of, I, I felt a crunch under the foot. Crunchy frog. Crunchy sort of. frog. And, and all I heard was sort of like. It's <laughs> like, oh right, what's that? Oh, it must be a frog. And then I look round, and it sort of. Limp hopped off. Oh, yeah. Oh dear. Straight into my the mate, grass. N- my mate Nick beheaded a sparrow by mistake once. I don't know if that's similar. Just uh, in in the school playground, there was a bit of flint or something on the floor, and he idly kicked it, but it took off and sort of spun through the air and beheaded a sparrow. Wow. And he was he was gutted and he got detention. <laughs> that was that was unfair. It's like he wasn't trying to kill the sparrow, that's but a... he still he got detention. <laughs> How do you even do that? I don't know, pure fluke, but he got absolutely, and for the rest of his time at school, that was all he was known for, beheading a sparrow. And now he is again. Yeah, absolutely. Now he is again to the wider world. There you go, Nick. They know, (laughs) yes, yes, the sparrow hawk himself. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, I think that's a nice point to end on. Maiming and destroying nature's greatest creations. Absolutely, yes. In the same way you'd throw tomato soup up a work of priceless art. Yes. Did you get anything nice this week before we go? I did. <gasps> I did, yeah, but I don't have it with me. I've just realised that, so I'll save that for the next show. Save that for the next show. I'll say it. Yeah. Shall I save mine for the next show? It's up to you. £1.50. <gasps> well, that's £1. an interesting pound fifty for the John Lennon collection, pu- uh, published in 1982. I'm sure that wasn't a cash-in at I, all. I know very well that album. Yeah. Oh, mint condition, £1.50. One can only I assume... I bought that for Ethel my first girlfriend. Really? 
over a Christmas, and between buying it and Christmas, um, she dumped me, so I give it me mum. <laughs> <laughs> the album, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, uh, yes, yes. Christmas 1988. So that album, I see that, and it's just like. <sighs> Luckily, also at that time, I discovered uh, Woolworths were doing these albums of twenty whatevers. You know, they have twenty tracks aside. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. ten aside. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on which was Ella Fitzgerald. Oh. Every time we say goodbye, that was the first time I heard that. So uh, tinged with rouge tristesse. Uh, yes, uh, Seventeen tracks here. Not quite the twenty, but um, no, it's a great album. Oh, beautiful voice! Oh, absolutely stunning. And and I hadn't heard his version of "Stand by Me" in years. Till I mm. gave this a spin yesterday, and oh god, it's yeah. good. Yeah, Lovely there's some stuff. crackers on there. There's some duds as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. give peace a chance. We're sorry, it's bollocks. No, no, I don't. It's just agree shouting, that. just shouting. <laughs> Anything with Yoko. Anything with Yoko. To uh, quote, I don't know about that. Really? To quote Beavis and Butthead, what the hell is this crap? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no, Yoko was anyway. That's another conversation. That is, yeah. It's yeah. another conversation. Yes. Um, yeah. Fantastic, mm. fantastic. You've dragged me down memory lane unwi- unwillingly and oh, unwittingly. Yes. Just um, as you dragged Dogmuck through the carpet. And I mentioned a rotund actor who you don't like. Yes, you did. Okay. And we, so we'll leave it there this week, shall we? Let's leave it there. Okay, thank Christ. you all for listening to whatever that thank was. You. Yeah. Um, and we hope you have a lovely week. And until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Ooh. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. Nice thing.